0: Welcome into the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Thursday, January 14th. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here, and today, talking a little bit about the National Championship game, Alabama, coming out on top over the Clemson Tigers here. And Mark, gotta say, I mean, this is one that, you know, during this game, a lot of people said this was a pretty special game that we got to see.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, if you're looking around on Twitter, I mean, even... You know, I don't know how you watched it. I really, ESPN does a great job. They go wall to wall on this one each year. And they had that coach's film room with, you know, Jim McElwain of Florida and Will Muschamp over at South Carolina, a couple of other coaches. And that's how I was watching it. And even those guys, you could tell, like, you know, they don't get too excited because they're coaches. They've seen everything. But you could tell from the way they're talking about things that, you know, this was kind of a game that I don't think people are going to forget. It was a, a great game. I mean, two, you know, really good football teams that, you know, gave it everything they had, and it just came away from that game with a lot of respect for both clubs.
0: And I think it's interesting because this is a game that you look at all of the the ratings out there, and they're down from the previous year. And, you know, part of that's probably because of the scheduling of the semifinals and so forth. But when we talk about what what the, the playoffs have done to the end of the college football season now, you know, it's a couple years in a row that, you know, you've had some really good games— and, and you really can't make the argument that you're not getting the best teams in these matchups either. It's it's doing exactly what you want. You get the best games at the end of the year, and I and I think it's good for it's good for the sport. It's good for fans, and generally, uh, I tend to be a fan of it. But let's let's talk a little bit about this game, and, and talk to me about you know let's start from the beginning. You know this is, was you know a pretty pitched battle in the first half. I believe finally the uh, score at the end of the half was fourteen fourteen. Correct yeah that's right. And, and, and what did you see that kind of got us to that point?
1: What was really interesting, and you know a lot of the talk and the build-ups of this game was you know you know we've had Trevor Sakema and some other guys on you know talking about Alabama and the strength of their team. You know Shane Alexander has come on as well to talk about you know the college game, and you know really that defensive front. You know, they've got some guys up front, you know, that can really get after the passer. You know, they got Raglan, that inside linebacker that looks to be another good, you know, linebacker that's coming out of Alabama. So I was interested to see how Clemson was going to handle, especially the passing game and how they were going to protect, uh, Deshaun Watson. And what was really interesting is, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how many times they did it. I could probably, I've got the game charted in my notes and I could go through it, but they rolled him out a lot. Designed rollouts to get you know get him away from the tackle box, get him outside the pocket, get him on the edges to kind of disrupt the Russian lanes and the Russian angles, you know, from the Alabama defensive front. And it was something that you know if you had watched Clemson's game against Oklahoma, you might have seen this coming because you know they had a big you know they were, Clemson was trailing Oklahoma at the half of that game, and they came out and they got a touchdown drive early in the half, in the second half, and then. On a second touchdown drive, they got a long pass in play where they rolled Watson out, uh, hit Renfro in a deep out against cover zero for a touchdown. And, you know, it kind of was like, you know, you could see the lights going off saying, hey, you know, this is kind of a way to get Watson on the edges and get him away from pressure. And Clemson did that and they didn't have some success with it. And, you know, but in the second half, there was just, you know, a number of places you can point to. I mean, obviously, one that jumps out is the onside kick.
0: Yeah. And, and. I, I got to say, this is, first of all, and, and a number of people have said this, it's probably the most un move you've ever seen. You know, this is, it's yeah, going for an onside kick when you don't have to in a national championship game. That's not yeah. what Nick Saban does. You know, he's he's a guy who you feel he likes to play the game as straight up as he can and, and generally, you know, likes to beat you doing exactly, uh, you know, kind of going exactly by the book here. And this is anything but a by-the-book maneuver and, and i think you know it's important when we look at this onside kick and, and how it unfolded it's you know it's 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 really i think a testament to the scouting that you can do even on special yeah. teams Yeah, because I mean. it's you know you go in and, and the alabama staff had said okay on the kickoff Clemson continues to pinch down towards the sideline and also their front line guys they turn their heads and they take off right away. So we're going to try this if we see that we're getting the same look. And they got the same look. And they right, got and the same look.
1: What was even amazing was, you know, Clemson had four guys on their front line. I mean, you think your standard like kick return, you've got five up front, right?
0: A lot of teams run six now to be honest.
1: Yeah. So to run with four and to pinch it down the way they did, I mean, you know, again, I was watching the film room with the coaching staff and they even commented, I think, in early in the game, like, man, they, they really pinch this formation tight away from the sideline. There's there's a lot of room over there to maybe get a kick return. And, you know, I mean, maybe that's by design. That's the way Clemson set it up. So, you know, they try to pinch the kick team away from that sideline and set something back up to that side. But, They left it open. Like you said, clearly Alabama had that scouted and called it at the right time. What I was going to ask you is, is this kind of, you know, we hear about teams, you know, Obviously, New England likes to do this. The Packers, other teams, they like to defer so they can maybe get that two-for-one, maybe steal a a possession later in the game. Was this just Saban maybe thinking, we need one more possession to try to score here to win this game. We needed to steal possession somehow. I don't know if we're going to force a turnover. Maybe we have to roll the dice here if this is going to be our best way to win.
0: Well, I think that it might have played in because this was, uh, what was it, about five minutes into the fourth quarter that we had this yeah, I, I want to say it was, right. it was it was a tie game at the at the point. I think it was 24-24, it was 24-24 Yeah, yeah. in about five minutes into the fourth quarter, and that's I think what makes it such a gutsy call is you figure you're doing this a tie game at a, in a tie game in the fourth quarter. Like that's it's about the least expected move that you can have because this is typically when coaches go into you know you know it's it's almost loss prevention mode at this point. Usually it's just you know get me to overtime and just get me through the game get me somewhere because it's such a close game here and and so I think it definitely could have been that they said look we need to get that extra possession here and and clearly you know you, you say enough about the scouting but I got to tell you that was just about as perfectly an executed onside kick as you can have you talk about the timing from the the way the kick was driven perfectly the way that the the uh, the Alabama player was timed up perfectly, hitting the line of scrimmage right as the ball is kicked, so he's not losing any time, but still not offsides. And then you talk about, you know, again that that kick just being placed perfectly, and he just runs onto it in stride. He could have gone for six if he wanted to. I mean, it's right. It was it was unbelievable. Obviously, you can't go for six on that; the ball's dead there. But it was it was a perfect kick. So. You know, I was I was very impressed to see that. How
1: that kind of kick, how hard is it like you, you know, you think the standard on side, you try to hit the ball down into the ground and get a big bounce. What about this like sort of like pooch kick where it's almost like a short pass basically? Like how hard is it to execute?
0: Well it it partly depends on the the type of surface that you're playing on, because you end up with some different situations here in terms of, you know, it affects how you're able to plant and it affects how you're able to drive. It, it's, it's not an easy kick to do and, and to be able to get that height on the ball and time it properly like that. Um, I, I can tell you from a personal perspective, I, I had an onside attempt once. It was down at the Yale Bowl uh, in front of the biggest crowd I had ever played in front of. And I can tell you, you know, I, we had practiced this, you know, the whole week thinking that we may need to use it at some point to actually get an extra possession in this game just because uh, Yale was very, very solid that year. And I can tell you, I go in and I had practiced this thing the whole time. And then we get on the field at Yale and it's a different field. You know, the, the surface is different and everything. And I'm sitting there going, OK, you know, what, you know, do I try it out or do I give it away that I'm uh, potentially practicing this for the game? We finally end up trying it in the game. And I'm telling you, the ball just kind of scooted along the ground and went out of bounds. And I'm sitting there getting, you know, yelled at by the coach, obviously because you know, completely my fault there. But it's not an easy thing to execute, uh, especially you know, in different conditions than you've practiced it. So yeah, it's uh, it's tough to do. And I was impressed there. When we talk about uh, what we saw in that fourth quarter, though, okay, offensively from Alabama there after that onside kick, you know, obviously they still had to go down the field. What did you see from them on that drive?
1: Well, I mean, what really stood out, it was, wasn't even so much of a drive. It was, you know, okay, so you get the onside kick, and obviously there was talk about momentum, especially because Willie Taggart, again, watching that ESPN film room, he's the coach at South Florida, talked a lot that night during that broadcast about momentum, momentum, momentum. Well, here you go. You've got, you know, you've just given up a tie a field goal to tie the game, and now you've surrendered the football on an onside kick. You expect to have the ball, and now you're back out there on defense. And – you know, on that field goal drive that Alabama had, that tied the game before the onside kick. I mean, that was a pretty lengthy drive too. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I six or seven play drive. Then the field goal. So now that defense is back out on the field. So you're thinking maybe Alabama takes a deep shot right off the bat. Well, they don't. They try to get uh, Henry on a sort of an inside counter run, and that gets stopped for a one yard loss. Um So now. Bama's facing second and eleven, their own forty-nine yard line or so, and then they get this deep shot to Howard, the tight end, for a long touchdown. And I—I've broken this down. I was watching the film room. I still, to this moment, don't know exactly what coverage Clemson was in. It was, <laughs> it, it's this thing where they're in a four-two-five nickel and they drop. It's like they invert it into a, almost a cover six, maybe, or inverted cover three, but they drop both safeties down. Now, you think like cover three buzz, you drop one safety down into an underneath zone. They drop both down. The middle linebacker drops deep, who runs with one receiver that's running a vertical route. And then on the backside of the play, you've got both Howard and Kenyon Drake out of the backfield running vertical routes as well. And there's only one cornerback over there, and he's trying to split the difference between these two. I don't know if it was a busted coverage, if Clemson thought they were going to try you know, this inverted cover whatever, to throw at Alabama, but it certainly didn't fool Jay Coker and, you know, long touchdown pass. And, you know, within minutes, it goes from a 21, I mean, 24 21 game to, you know, 31 24 Alabama.
0: Yeah. And, and I was going to ask you about that because, you know, you see that and you say it, it almost has to be a busted coverage or a miscommunication on some level just because it doesn't make sense otherwise, right?
1: Right. And again, you know, I. I try to study this stuff. I try to look at different playbooks and read stuff on the internet and read other people that do good work, breaking down defenses. And I think I've got a handle on it. I didn't know what it was at the time, and, but I felt a little bit better about my own knowledge because, you know, Will Muschamp, he's sitting there. He's a defensive-minded coach. Um, the coach at Pittsburgh, whose name escapes me right now, he's a defensive-minded coach. And they're looking at uh, Chris Spielman in this film session. They're like, I don't know what that coverage is. And that makes you think, well, if they don't know what it is, it's probably something they haven't seen before. It's got to be a busted coverage.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I found that a little bit, uh, you know, odd. Well, not odd. I mean, I guess it happens. But let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, the quarterback that threw the ball there, Jake Coker. What'd you, yeah. uh, what would you see from him in this game? It's a, you know, he's a kid who there's been a number of opinions about him heading down to Mobile in a couple weeks. What do you see from him in this game?
1: Coker's going to be an interesting sort of evaluation because, you know, I, I, I was saying this to somebody today. He's kind of, you know, screams that, you know, guy that everybody doesn't have a high opinion of that gets drafted sometime on day two in the second or third round. And people are like, wait, whoa, what happened here? I mean, he's a guy that's got decent size. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, that throw he made, you know, it was a throw he made, an anticipation throw to um, I think it was Ridley on a deep route. Uh, some point in that it was on a field goal drive actually where he had somebody in his face or at his feet he was going to get hit released it before receiver even made his break but it was a vertical route great anticipation and you know i was around the itp offices i was like that throw just got him drafted i mean i think he's got to improve on decision making all quarterbacks do he's you know ball placement and accuracy tend to be a problem there's a you know, play earlier in that fourth quarter where he missed an out route. And again on film room, all five of those coaches were just groaning because you were like, you cannot miss that throw. It's a wide open, easy pitch and catch, and he just sailed it. So accuracy is gonna be a concern. That's something I'm curious to see down in Mobile, what it looks like. I mean, I think for right now he's a guy that fits that, you know, fifth round, sixth round kind of mold right now that you know, if you're, you're set at the position but you, and you don't need somebody better right, right away, but you can maybe, you know, take a flyer on a quarterback in the late rounds, he's a good guy to look at. But crazier things have happened. I mean, we saw a guy like Sean Manning get drafted on the second day last year, second round, day two of the draft last year that nobody really saw coming. So maybe, you know, Coker's that guy that flies up draft boards during this process.
0: Well, and, and all it takes is one team. For a guy right. to go that high. I mean, we've we've seen this before at a number of positions. If you are a team that's looking at Jake Coker and you say, okay, maybe I'm going to consider him. You always ask the question, well, what does this player do well? So what kind of team would he do well on? Not necessarily on day one, but even as a developmental quarterback.
1: I mean, are you talking like a example of a team or a scheme? I mean,
0: I guess scheme wise, if 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 I'm running a team and I say my team possesses these traits, and I need a quarterback that does X, Y, and Z, what's a good fit for him?
1: I mean, I think you're looking at a team that basically kind of works off of a zone running scheme and can work the ground game. You know, control the ball on the ground, work off of a play action scheme based off of that because that's kind of what he's familiar with. Alabama does a lot of that. They love that sort of split zone design where you've got tight end coming across the formation to block, then release him to the flat, maybe a levelless concept to one side of the field or the other. So you do stuff like that and you're looking at a guy that maybe can take care of the football pretty well. Again, all quarterbacks need to get better with decision making. Um but again the accuracy is the thing that kind of sticks out to me. I mean he's gotta, you know, place the ball better each time he drops back to throw, um, he does a pretty good job making reads, I think, from the, the times I've watched him and broken him down a bit. But, you know, the thing that kind of just sticks out to me is that accuracy issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, got a couple minutes left here. What else uh, stood out over the course of this game? Anything else that, you know, was kind of of note to you?
1: Clemson, man. Next year. Loaded? I, I think so. And the thing that just kind of just blows you away watching that team is that Gallman didn't really get going, but he's coming back. Watson... I mean, this will be his third year now as a starter. I mean, he started most of last season as a true freshman, and he's a very talented quarterback. I mean, they're going to lose some guys defensively depending on what, you know, guys like Alexander and Kirst do, Um, you know, if they're going to enter the draft or not. haven't heard anything on that yet, but I still think that's a team that looks to be loaded. The issue is you get this far and you lose, how does a team bounce back? And we kind of saw it this year. Alabama—they got to the semifinals last year, and they—they they got bounced pretty quickly. You know, they ran into an Ohio, uh, an Ohio State team that looked pretty solid, but they got back and won it all. Can Clemson do the same thing? Can they? You know, they'll have the offensive weapons coming back. You know, can they make another run at it? I think they can. And you know, one last thing: remember, they lost Mike Williams, who was looking to be their top receiver. They lost him in their season opener. Yep. How good would this team have been if they had him all year long?
0: Yep. Yeah, and and, and and you figure, you look at this, and you know, Clemson's a team that I think a lot of folks over the last four to five years, you know, they were always a team that came in and going into the season, people had listed them, you know, top two, top three teams, and they they never quite lived up to that. So on one level, I look at this season and say, Okay, Dabo Swinney took this team to the next level at least. He got them into that conversation finally. Now the question becomes can he take them back there next year and i'm going to be interested to see that i'm going to be really interested to see if he's able to do that cuz as you said look to get this far and come up just that short it's tough right it's tough now,
1: one thing to remember though is you know they you know past couple of seasons they had two, uh, some pretty good teams down in uh down in florida state they caught florida state on a bit of a down year this year they yep. you know they had goals in the transfer um it didn't quite pan out Dalvin Cook's coming back. Great running back for them. You know, if Florida State's a better team next year, they might, you know, pose a much stronger challenge to Clemson getting back and winning the ACC again.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So we are uh, just about done for the day, though.
1: You no, know, nice, nice little show. I like talking college football, man. It's it's fun stuff.
0: It's good, man. And uh, I know we got a lot more coming up the next oh, couple yeah. weeks as we get into draft season. So it's gonna be good. It's gonna be an absolute party here. We are done for the day, though. We will catch you tomorrow on the ITP Quick Kicks Podcast. Chuck Zod and Mark Schofield. We'll see you later.